You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. So over the first year or so of my ministry, I was bivocational. That meant I was part-time as a pastor, but I was also working a full-time job. And that job was construction. And I was part of a company that, especially in the time I was there, the year I was there, was doing a lot of new home builds, spec homes, okay? And I remember the first day I, I rolled up to the, the job site, the, the place where we were going to build a new home, and, and uh, I knew nothing about building a home. And I remember getting out of my truck and my boss, Carl, starting to talk about what we were going to do that day. It was, there was nothing there. The concrete had been poured and we were going to all of a sudden make this house appear. And he starts to talk to me about what needs to happen and, you know, the, 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 the joists, the floor and the walls. And can you imagine if Carl would have said, okay, this is what we're going to do today. And here's the things I want you to do. Now go do it. How many of you would have bought that house? (laughs) You should not have bought that house. Now, Carl knew better. Carl knew that if he was going to have a productive employee, that not only would he talk to me about what we were going to do, but then Carl would walk over there with me and he would show me what it looked like to build a wall, the proper Steps where the nails went, the, you know, the 16 on center, all that stuff. Uh, he did that that day. And in fact, he did that the next day and the next day. And for a, a while, he was literally hovering over me, so to speak, uh, telling me what to do, but then also showing me what it looked like. Can you imagine how ridiculous it would be if a teacher came in and on the first day just dumped a bunch of information on you and then gave you all the assignments and said, okay, here you go, figure it out. Our good, the coaches that we've had that have done anything with this, they explain stuff and then they begin to break it down. They spend time with this is what it looks like. There's not just one practice before a game, correct? Some of you are like, I'm not sure. Did you see my team play yesterday? Which, by the way, we beat Wisconsin. It's always a good day. Yeah, thank you. None of you, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But being an Iowa guy, I, I, there's one week a year I really want to win, and that's the Wisconsin week. And so I'm in a great mood today. Um, it, would be, it would be crazy, right? And so oftentimes I've told you that when we walk through texts of scripture, I wrestle with, but we gave you information, but did we do enough to say, but this is what it looks like in real life. And so we've walked through five weeks of this text, Romans 12, Magna Carta of relationship kind of stuff. God is saying, listen, The whole reason you're here is to love me and to love others as yourself. And this is what it looks like to love others well. And so as I was thinking about walking through this, I said, let's take five weeks to walk through the text. And then let's go back and let's spend some time thinking about, now this is what it looks like. 
especially in those two primary areas of relationship that are marriage and parenting, right? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it's lived out most is in our homes. I was thinking about that and I was like, you know, I can stand up there and and try to say a lot of things about marriage and about parenting. And yet I think it's more impactful if we have more people come up and talk about this, what it's looked like. People that have learned a lot more than I have about marriage and parenting. People who have been in it longer, who have had different experiences. And so today we want to just take some time to once again, as we did last week, talked about marriage. We're going to talk about parenting today. What does parenting look like when we live out Romans chapter 12, this place we go to understand how to have healthy relationships? A couple things I want to preface this with, though. The minute I say we're going to talk about parenting, how many of you had a twinge of guilt? You should have. We all do, right? Like, I'm in the middle of this, and I already can point to, to things that I've realized, oh, Man, I regret having taken that approach, having said those things. And so today, really, in my heart, I am praying desperately that there is not, this is not a shaming session, that this is not a time for you to sit there and feel guilty. I'm praying against any of that, that the Lord would chase that out of the room this morning that we would just realize that the only thing that is, that is positive is to, where do we go from here? We all have regrets. We either, we, you know, coincidentally, my mom and dad are here. Where are they at? You guys welcome my mom and dad to service today. From, from Louisiana. Uh, it's coincidental they're here today. So I can't complain about them today, you know. Um, no. But like, it's just full of like learning on the job kind of stuff. And so we have regrets. There's no point in making you feel guilty about that today. It's simply, where can we go from here? Because guess what? It was so providential this morning in my prayer group before church. One of the men shared with me. He said, listen, I really messed up when I first became a parent. I worked 80-hour weeks. I wasn't home. I missed my kid's life. I had so much regret. I felt so much guilt. I felt so much shame. And he said, I realized, though, that at some point the Lord was urging me just to, where do you go from here? You just, you just go from where you're at. And he said, I began to, as I had a second chance with my, ki- with my kids, I just began to pour into their life. And he said, it was amazing how God restored, reconnected us, did unbelievable work. He said, you know what? Especially one of the kids that I was absent for, you know who calls me the most and talks, we talk all the time now? It's him. Because God did a new thing. And, and I want to encourage you in that way today. We all have regrets. Let's just admit it. But we're figuring out. The other thing I would want to tell you is maybe you're sitting in here today and you're like, well, I'm not a parent. I've never been a parent. Don't think I ever will be or uh, I didn't have that opportunity. Um, this is parent in, a, in such a way it, it can be equated with mentoring. And guess what? 
Every one of you today has an opportunity to mentor someone. You've been a parent in somebody's life. And so what we talk about today is applicable way beyond uh, the biological relationship. And so please, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as the panel comes forward and as they share. It was awesome first service. So I'm going to invite them to come forward at this time. As they're coming, I want to remind you of the text of Scripture that we're thinking about, these eight words that come out of Romans chapter 12 that we can say, okay, these are the values of which relationship should be based on. Remember that the words of Scripture say this, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, that in healthy relationships, humility must exist. It's led with humility. The writer would say in relationships, recognize that we all have different gifts. We all have, we're a member of a body. There's many members, there's one body. And know what your role is, what you're good at, how to find your place and lean into it. In healthy relationships, there is a proper understanding of role. Listen to the words of scripture when he says, love must be sincere. That relationships are built on authenticity. There is no manipulation, secret agendas, using it's who you are completely, openly, honestly, and vulnerably. He talks about relationships, uh, be devoted to one another in love. Have this kind of unconditional love in your relationships that I'm here in the good, the bad, and the ugly, I'm here. I'm not checking out. I'm not jumping out. I'm here. I'm devoted to this relationship. He says, honor one another above yourselves. He talks about this selfless kind of attitude that only makes relationships thrive when you make it about the other person instead of yourself. He says things like rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, that in, prop, in healthy relationships, there's an empathy that exists. I'm willing to listen and hear before I'm willing to speak. I'm, I'm willing to understand their perspective, their point of view, where they come from. He says things like this, Live in harmony with one another. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There's a peaceableness to relationships where we don't, you know, there's, 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 if you're always trying to be right, you're going to struggle, aren't you? But if you're trying to live in connection, that's where relationships strive, or thrive. And then last, we've talked about do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This word overcome, it calls us to a certain sense of resolve. Like I can, uh, through God's help, see these things healed. I can see these things thrive. I believe that the power of grace is more powerful than the power of relational dysfunction and chaos and brokenness. Amen? All right, let's, let's, uh, I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves first. You, some of you probably don't even know who these people are. But I will tell you, these are credible, credible, credible parents 
who uh, I think we only gain wisdom from them as they share this morning. So Chad, I'm going to ask you to. Yeah, we are Chad and Amy Long. Um, we have three kids. Uh, Logan is 23, Tyler's 20, and Emily will be 17 this week. And we actually added a daughter-in-law this summer when Logan married Bailey. Um, we were married 25 years ago, actually on this stage, and this been attending this church ever since. We are Tim and Karen Walkup, and we have been married for 40 years, and we have two children, Shane, and he is married to Jessica, and they have two sons, Oliver and Caden, and we have Shannon, who is 25, and she is married to Justin, and they have little Scarlett. And we are Brad and Carrie Taylor, and uh, we've been married 19 years and 11 months. 20 is coming in, uh, in November for us. We've got two boys. Braden is 18, and Keaton is 14. I forgot for service to let, uh, I assumed everybody know, knew who I was, but maybe you don't. Nicole, you know. I am uh, Nicole Bullock, otherwise known as Mrs. Chip. <laughs> uh, we have four kids. Um, Keegan is, okay, so now I don't think well under pressure. I'm going to get this wrong. But Keegan is 17, Sage is 14, Colby is 12, and Selah just turned eight. So let's just jump into to these topics. And, um, you know, parenting, you're, there's an innate authority that comes with parenting. You're the parent. They're the kids. You brought them into the world. You're responsible. And so it's so interesting how humility plays out in this kind of relationship as the kind of this innate authority at first. And uh, I always love this statement that um, people are impressed by strengths, but they connect with weaknesses. And I have learned as a parent that the greatest connection that I have had with my kids is when I have been able to humble myself and say, I blew it. I'm not perfect. I know you look at me as like this, but... The reality is, and then there was something that powerful happened. Can we talk about what humility looks like as a parent, why it's so valuable, why it should always lead our relationships, especially as a mom and a dad? <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, I'm happy to say that we survived. We survived parenthood. We are empty nesters, and we are enjoying life. But um, yeah, so for us, honesty, communication, talking, you know, we weren't perfect. We're not perfect. We've messed up a lot. And just being able to go to our kids and apologizing to them, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. Will you forgive me? And Tim and I tried very hard to not argue or have you know, disagreements in front of our children. But if it happened, um, you know, we just made sure that we apologized to each other in front of our children so that they could see the honesty. So communication is key. Yeah, I think we, we 
love this idea of just a willingness to apologize when we mess up. And um, one of the things that we've learned is that I think a lot of times when our kids are younger, there's a tendency to, for the apology to look like, I'm sorry, sort of like holding your nose. Um, but like helping them understand what an actual apology is, that we're sorry for what we did. Um, I'm sorry for uh, why, you know, here's why I'm sorry. Here's how I saw it hurt you. And then here's how I'm going to change so that it doesn't happen again. Um, and then also, like, not just being willing to own the stuff that we do today, but also helping them understand that when we were their age, we struggled with some of those things, too. And so maybe some of the things that they're facing that we, um, we wrestled with, just that, that feeling of kind of solidarity that we've been there. I think in kind of a different twist on this is acknowledging that our kids sometimes have strengths that are our weaknesses. And, and just being able to call that out when you see them, as you see them grow and develop and say, hey, I noticed that's a strength God's given you. And that's not always easy for me. That's not one of my strengths, but I love that God's put it in you. And just a, a way to kind of grow their, them as leaders, even from a young age. That's good. Yeah, I would, I would add that I think humility comes with our relationship with God, um, recognizing that we need him. Um, we're not perfect parents. Uh, we can't do this on our own. And I think if you're willing to recognize your weaknesses in front of your kids, they're going to be more willing to open up to you and share their weaknesses um, because I think they'd have a hard time coming to you if they feel like they're going to criticize. You're going to criticize what they're bringing to you, their weaknesses. So... I just think having the humility to recognize your own weaknesses is pretty huge when it comes to raising kids. It's good. I think probably the five most powerful words I've learned as a parent is, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Um, and that, is, that has been tremendous in helping uh, create a credible relationship with our kids and them actually hearing what we're trying to say as we instruct them, as we lead them, as we maybe lay down uh, parameters, guidelines, rules, to know it's coming from someone who um, doesn't feel like they're superior to them, but has been given a role in their life as, as their parent to try to guide them. So it's good. All right, we're gonna talk about authenticity. So um, the principle of modeling is never more important than as a parent. Unfortunately, it's very true that in parenting, more is caught than taught. And there will come a day when they will most likely follow your example more than your advice that you gave them. So let's talk about how you have been challenged to be consistent in your life and also vulnerable and honest when you have failed. Have you found being open with your kids has helped them? We, um, we've talked about this a little bit in renovation, our, our group of uh, parents kind of in our generation, parents of teenagers, but um, no, there's like a, the kids have a radar that if you live in authentically, they just see it, they see it more easily than anybody. We actually, Carrie and I laughed this morning because the boys are both serving in children's ministry today, and so we're not going to get called out on anything because they're not, they're not in here to hear it, but that's what they call us out. I mean, um, and so you have to be authentic. You have to live with integrity. Um, just one quick example from our house, we have, um, we have a rule at our house one screen at a time 
And during baseball season, I am notorious for having more than one screen at a time. I'm watching a couple of different games or we're watching a movie, but I'm watching the Cardinals over here. And, um, and I get called out on it, you know. They, they, and so if you're not living by the, it's the example versus the advice thing, like they're, um, they're going to call you out. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I would, I mean, I agree 100% with all that. Um, I think you have to be authentic with everyone. I mean, you can't change the way you are. I mean, when you come to church, uh, to your family, to the people you work with, um, I mean, most people go to work every day and there's always those people in your workplace that, you know, it can be a struggle, but your kids see that. They, your kids see you, um, whether you, how you interact with people at work or at church or, you know, just the way we interact with each other um, behind closed doors. If you're not the same person they pick up on that so quickly and they want to emulate that. I, I think when you are truly authentic with people. Yeah, I think too, like showing your authenticity, even if you don't always agree with or have the same beliefs of people that you interact with, like in your family or even your friend groups, um, you can still model what it is like to be authentic to your kids by the way you act. Um, and like he said too, at your home, that your home is um, a safe place, a calm place, that you treat each other, the people that you live with every day with authenticity also. Um, for us, Tim and I were blessed to be raised in Christian homes. And um, we had consistency being shown to us from our parents that we knew that God was first, then our parents, their relationship was second, and then we, as their children, were third. And so we tried to do that, show that same consistency with our kids. They knew that God was first in our home, then dad and I, and then them. And I know sometimes it's really hard to put your spouse before your kids, but it's very important. God first then us, then kids. Yeah, in my own life, I feel like um, to have a strong sense of authenticity requires a really strong sense of self-awareness. And you can only have that strong sense of self-awareness if the spirit is in you revealing those things about your own life, your shortcomings, um, things that you need to improve on. But when you are aware of those things, it gives you the ability to be so real with your kids. And I can look at them and see something that they're going through and be like, hey, you know, these are the same struggles that I have. I know what you're going through. And you can help them through that in a sense of not in a superior kind of way, but with that self-awareness, um, just allow the spirit to use your own life to help raise your children. So be devoted to one another in love. It carries with it this idea of uh, even unconditional love. So what does unconditional love look like as a parent? Um, I know, Carrie, you had some things to say about need and want. and yeah, Just what does that look like? I think we all have a tendency to, um, we are innate to, to love our kids unconditionally, but what does that look like? What does it mean? Absolutely. So um, 
I think what you're alluding to is when we talk about courageous parenting, it takes crazy courage to parent well and to parent and how our kids need, not how they want, which is a very different thing, right? So I think unconditional love, everybody wants that. We, we do want that. But if, if unconditional love is just, I love, I love, and it's great, just whatever you want to do, I just love you through it. You know, that's, we do love them through, but I think we have to understand that that's, that doesn't negate conflict, right? That, that conflict is still a part of love. And I think one of the beautiful things we have an opportunity to do in our homes is teach them something different than the culture is teaching, that we can have conflict and we can resolve that and come out better with each other on the other side. And so that that is that unconditional love that even through the conflict. And I think that as is with our kids, one of the ways we kind of approach that um, is teaching them why we're having this conflict. Why do we have to discipline you? Why, why does it matter that we bring this to your attention? Because if we don't, that's not loving. You know, if we just let you do whatever, that's not loving. And so we need to bring this to your attention um, now. So, because if we don't, it's going to send you off course and that's not love. And we've been given this incredible opportunity to love you. So I think that's a piece of it, and I'll tell you, that has taught me the unconditional love of the Father, because as I do that with our kids and with our boys, to recognize that's his love for me. When he confronts me or disciplines me or corrects me, it is unconditional love for me that, that brings that. Um, my, uh, I was raised, my father never, he was the greatest dad in the world. I, he, he was a godly man that uh, was, he was just perfect to me, but he never told me very often that he loved me. And I remember before he passed, we had a long conversation many times, but uh, one evening I shared with him, I said, you know, dad, I, I never remember you really telling me you loved me that much growing up, but there was never any doubt that you did. The time you spent with me, the, the sacrifices you gave. But I made up my mind that I was always gonna let my kids know they were loved. So every day, um, not every day, not all the time, but every once in a while when they're not expecting it, I would try to catch them unaware. And I'm kind of a disciplinarian also, so it kind of, but I would be walking through the house or something and I would just call out, Shannon. And there'd be a quiet, like she was expecting something. And she'd go, yeah, dad. And I'd say, I love you so much. She'd go, I love you, dad. And I'd do the same thing to Shane. I'd be walking through the house or something, and I'd just try to catch him in the same way. And it wasn't that this unconditional love is just something where you, they know they don't have to earn it. It's, it's freely given. And I would just call out to him at the same way, you know, and he'd, he'd think something's up, and I'd just say, I love you, man, and I'm proud of you. And, uh, and yeah, sometimes I would do it to my wife as well. Just <laughs> at times when she wouldn't catch on, but... Uh, yeah, you would think I would know by now. He got me this morning. Of course, as I'm running late, I hear, hey, hon. Yeah. He wouldn't say anything. I had to go into the room he was in. Love you. Yeah, love you too. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think a big part of being devoted is, I mean, it's to me, it's, I mean, I kind of state it kind of simply, but it's just being present, um, just being there for him. Not only in the good times, but in the bad. Um, like Carrie said, just through discipline, you, you can be devoted to your kids through discipline um, because you're, you're trying to show what you want for them and what's best for them. Um, 
They may not feel that devotion at the time, but it's, it's there in love. And just, just being there for them is huge to me. All right, selfless. So living a life that is willing to sacrifice yourself for the good of your kids can be a struggle with a career and your own interests. What would you say to people that are trying to juggle this tension? Could there also be a sense in which we sometimes want to live vicariously through our kids, and so we put pressure on them in areas that are not what they really want? It's not always easy, especially how busy we are, but um, I grew up about 45 minutes east of Columbus, and my dad would have to get up around five o'clock in the morning, drive all the way into work. He drove a truck in Columbus all day, get back in the car, drive all the way back. And when he got home, he was exhausted. But as a kid, I can't tell you how many times I walked in and found him napping on the couch. I said, hey dad, <laughs> you wanna go throw and catch? He'd roll off the couch, pop up and say, yep, let's go. And he'd throw the ball with me for hours. It was that time. And that's the most important thing you give to your kids. Just love them, give them time. And uh, also, I was a, uh, uh, I'm 30 years retired from teaching in Lyme City Schools. I was a phys ed teacher. The, the gym was my classroom. And I coached football and basketball and baseball for many years. And speaking about the question a little bit, I saw many times when my boys were forced by their dads, pushed into things, overworked, demanded great things from them, and it put a lot of pressure on them, and it, and it did some damage to them. So when Shane came along, I always wanted to make sure I never pushed him into anything. Um, if he loved something, I'd give him all the time he wanted. I would teach him as much as I could, but I never forced him, I never demanded things. I didn't want to be that dad. Uh, funny thing is, uh, years, just a few years ago, a little while ago, uh, we were talking about that, and I asked him, I said, uh, you know, how'd I do? And he goes, well, Dad, I, I kind of wish you would have pushed me more. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, I mean, I can relate to what Tim was just saying, because I can remember many times driving home, and driving home from work thinking, okay, when I get home, I want to mow the yard, I want to, you know, fix the back door, do whatever, and when you pull in the driveway, you know, it's, hey, Dad, you want to shoot hoops? You want to throw the football? Um, you want to play American Girl doll? You know, just <laughs> can I style your hair, Dad? I used to have more hair, actually, but uh, there was a little more to work with. But I think, um, to me, that the selflessness of it is just giving some time to them. I mean, even if it's 15, 20 minutes when they're asking, even no matter what you have on, in your mind or on your agenda, um, setting aside some time makes them feel loved. Uh, makes them feel like you care for them. And I think if you would say, no, not right now, or I want to do this first over and over, I think when it becomes critical or important, I mean, I, I get it. Throwing a football with the kids is important too, but as they grow older, uh, the decisions and questions, they, the advice they come to you is pretty important. And if you keep saying, you know, I don't have time for you, when it comes to that importance, they might not come to you. I, I just feel like it's huge to just, you know, sh make them feel like they're cared for when you when you when you take the time for them. 
Yeah, I think I would say that also it helps them. It makes your kids feel like they truly are an important part of your family if they're always getting pushed aside or in a minute, maybe later. That just, you know, you could just kind of see them walking away with their head hanging low and you disappointed them. And as they get older, the issues and things they come to you are going to be even more important and they're going to feel like they can come to you because you have valued what they've wanted or needed growing up as it changes from being toddlers to we have a couple adults now that we're <laughs> working with. Yeah, I think it's, um, this is certainly related to all of that, but one of the things that, um, that we've really tried to do, I don't think that I've always done it well, but it's just to make sure that they, they don't get just our leftovers. They don't just get kind of the worst of us. You know, you give uh, all day at work and you, you know, you come home, you got to mow the grass or you got to cook dinner or whatever you're doing. And just that idea that like your, your kids still deserve the best of you. And so to try to give them that best, um, that best sense. Uh, that is really incredible what, what they just talked about. Um, selfless is, is present time, time and being present in that time, and also allowing them to be who they are. I think as a pastor, I've, I've realized that uh, so many people wrestle with uh, wanting to live vicariously through their kids, um, be it uh, academics, athletics, career. Uh, you know, I even wrestle with this myself. I love sports. What am I going to do if my boys don't love sports? And I'm like having this whole wrestling thing like, oh no. And early on, I felt like the Lord was like, you know what? If your sons are into the arts, guess what you're into? And let them be who God created them to be, not who I want them to be or the ideal or the image I have for them. And that, I think, is truly being selfless. So let's just finish with this, uh, the, the role idea, um, because parent, parenting has different stages. Um, I, I kind of like, I know there's all different things out there, but I kind of like um, the stages of, at first, you're the, the commander, right? Like, you're the boss, because they're two years old and they need a boss, right? Commander, then as they get a little older, instructor, you begin to have those conversations of why we're doing this. Okay, these were the rules. Now this is why the rules. Then there's the coaching, right? Where you're encouraging them and you're giving, and then you become the consultant, right? <laughs> you're just the consultant in their life. Just talk about what that looks like as a parent, how, you, how it's important to to stay in those lanes and what that looks like as it develops. Well, I think uh, when our when our kids were were little, um, it, it was important to set some some rules. Like there had to be some some consistency and some decisions made because they don't know they, they don't know what they need yet. And I think that's our God given um, responsibility. I hear I do hear parents sometimes say, "Well, I'll just see what they want." Oh dear, that's concerning. You know, like I, yeah. five, six, seven, eight year olds, even teenagers, they don't always know. You know, uh, what is what is best? Um, again, yeah. what they need versus what they want, right? Yeah. So we had to be influential in that. Um, 
as they, they get into puberty, which I think we're coming out of, so whew, we're going to make it. Um, but uh, that that is a whole time where there's so much development going on in their minds. You know, that there are times that I have to go brain talk on them, you know, and like, okay, right now this whole thing is your, like, hippocampus limbic system. Whoa, it is larger than life right now, and your prefrontal cortex, your center for reasoning and logic is offline. And so I'm going to step in as your surrogate prefrontal cortex for a moment here, and I'm going to help you make a decision, you know? And they just kind of look at me like, what? Okay, mom. But I'm not attacking them because I know this is a life-changing, it's a developmental change for them. So anyway, so we have... um, those kind of conversations where it's like, okay, I got to step in and I'm going to have to help influence your decision here. I, I ultimately, you're going to be responsible for it, but I got to, I got to have some influence. And now we have a, an adult who's looking at college and now it's having to teach how to make a decision. How do you look at things? How do you, how do you pray over this? How do you look at the pros and cons and, and really then hand it over? Like you, you have to make the decision. And so it changes. It definitely changes over time. But again, it's always looking at how do we parent, how they need from us. What do they need from us? Not what they want from us. And so you guys all would say that being, trying to be the commander with a 16 year old's a mistake, right? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. And trying to be the coach for a two year old is a mistake, <laughs> right? This is complex. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, um, for us, you know, we have always been involved in the church. The church has been our life. We've community. And um, so our kids grew up with church being part of our life. They saw us coming to church, serving, getting involved. They were constantly involved. And so I just strongly suggest as parents of young ones, yeah, you don't give them a choice. Um, for, for us, church was not an, a choice for them. They were going to go to church. When the church doors were open, we were going to be here, and we were going to be serving or doing life, community, with our family, our church family. And so, um, yeah, so as they, you know, as they got older, you know, they began serving, like the boys are downstairs serving. You know, our kids served. You know, I'm, we're very thankful that our kids are very plugged into church. Shane is... You know, he's serving here. Him and Jess are very involved in groups. Shannon and her husband are involved in their church in Finley. And um, I think it's because they saw, they saw that. We lived that out. And as a youth worker, I worked with the youth for several years. The access wasn't an option. Don't let the access be an option for your teens. You know, I know they're at that age. They're not little anymore, and we can't command them, but... It was just not an option. So I strongly encourage you to encourage your kids to be a part of the axis. I always told my kids, when you didn't go over there, you may have been robbing somebody of a blessing that you were, God wanted you to bless them with, or vice versa. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say, I think it, you, don't, you don't even realize your roles are changing, I, I think, when you're going through it from you know, the toddlers to the middle school, you know, high school years. Um, but the, as they grow older, I think the, the huge thing is guiding them, uh, not necessarily demanding them, like we just said. Um, I know we talk, I've, I've coached sports, we talk kids that play sports. I feel like now as they're growing older that, you know, we've kind of laid out a game plan for them, but it's up to them to execute it. Uh, they have to function, I guess, independently. 
Um, yeah, they're still coming to us for advice, but our role, like, like we just said, our roles change to where, you know, we can give them suggestions, but ultimately, you know, the decision is theirs as they become young adults. And I know a big thing in our life has been um, home builders. I call it home builders OG. It was like <laughs> 17 years ago, 18 years ago, there was a home builders and we surrounded ourselves with, uh, I mean, like-minded Christians that had kids our age, uh, you know, four or five up through, I mean, that age of kids. And I would just say we did life together as we grew. I mean, it's funny to think now how we look back and think, you know, we used to go to youth sporting events and choir concerts. Now we're going to wedding showers and weddings for the same kids. So, you know, we're still friends with those people and our kids are friends with those kids. And so I, to me, that's you just surrounding yourself with people that help you through those roles as you grow. That's good. These guys are incredible, weren't they? Yeah. We put it online. It's on the app. Um, we only got through five out of the eight. But um, I really encourage you, take what's online or come to me if you want a uh, paper copy. And we hope that this conversation only causes you to have more conversations at home with your spouse, with your kids, uh, in your groups, wh wherever, with your extended family. Um, these things are the things closest to us. They matter the most. We wanna do them well. And finding mentors, role models, having conversations with peers, iron sharpening iron is absolutely one of the best ways to learn how to parent well. And so we, we just truly hope that today is just a starting point um, for you to have further conversations. Let's pray as we go. Father, thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that has been shared. I just pray that as we take it in, as we think about it, as we ponder it, Lord, that your spirit would faithfully continue to bring to our mind uh, these principles. And Lord, even people in our life that maybe we haven't talked to about parenting with, that we should. Uh, just Lord, help us to, to wanna do this so well that we will do whatever it takes to figure out how to do it well. So Lord, bless our homes in this church. We truly believe and know that if our marriages are sound, if our homes are sound, this place is gonna thrive and it's gonna be life-giving. And people who don't know that are going to desire to be here. And we're gonna actually be a part of seeing your kingdom come through having godly homes godly relationships with our spouses and our kids. So Lord, make this so in our lives. Continue to teach us what this looks like. May we live out the truth that you've shared to us in your word. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you this morning. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.